Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. All right, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rescuing Churches, where it's always a great adventure discussing church revitalization and pastoral life. Learn more at 614ministries.org. My name's Josh. That's my dad, Stan. Hey, everybody. Silent partner Mike is here, man in the knobs at Mission Control. And today we are going to take a stroll down memory lane and reminisce. I just made that up off the top of my head. I don't think we're going to do that. We're going to reflect. Is that better? Reflect. Okay, we're going to reflect, I guess I should say. I'm going to talk like an old pastor. Really old. You are an old pastor. pastor You're you're an old curmudgeon pastor. This podcast is for the younger pastors in their... Can I can I put use a, a, a picture 40s, of, 30s, 20s. Can I use a picture of the two old guys from the Muppets? Absolutely. Can, can I do that? That's Absolutely. what I'm going to do. Okay. You want to look back at some things that you would do differently if you could wind the tape back 15 or 20 years or yeah I just was thinking I was thinking like the other day of so many good things I've learned in the last five years that if I would have paid attention as a younger guy. Um, I could have probably done better with that. So, um, so hopefully this episode won't make you feel old, right. but, but, but if it does, it's your fault because it was your idea. Well, it's going to make <laughs> me feel old, but that's okay. I, I don't mind feeling old for this because the wisdom is in the years of trial and error and mostly error. So that, I, that's a positive way to look at it. There's a number of things that I could have done better. Uh, if I would have been doing it right, right back then. And looking back now, I should have been. And probably would have helped, you know, a lot more. Okay. Um, and are we ta- so we're talking early years of your lead pastoral position back about that far? Well, for sure, for sure then. Right. Uh, but really, maybe, maybe all of ministry. Yeah. Cause you've been at Northside, you've been in a lead pastor position at Northside since 2000. So 21 years now. Yeah. Maybe all of ministry. Okay. Um, so we want to look at three things that, You've been reflecting. If I could go back and do it differently, yeah, this is this is what you do. Yeah, now there's three thousand of those. Okay, if I could go, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for that. Sorry. Yeah. So, but these are big ones. Yeah, these are biggies. All right, we're gonna take them one at a time. First one is you would invest a lot more time in the men of the church. So let me just ask you, how would you have gone about doing this? Because I would think, from an outside perspective looking in, a lot of typical churchgoers might have assumed you were already doing that. Correct. But I wasn't doing it at the, at the intensity and the level that I needed to right. because as a pastor of a small church, there's so many other things you're managing. There's a there's a nursery crisis. There's a, you know, the ladies in the kitchen are having a whatever problem, and you're trying to figure out how that. Then there's the, the Sunday school director resigned, so now you're going to be the Sunday school director for the next six weeks till we find somebody who's willing to volunteer to help oversee how to make sure all our Sunday schools are going fine. And then... 
you know, the men's ministry leader is not here anymore. He moved out of town. So who's going to do that? So you get caught up in so many other things that you're doing right. that you stop really spending significant time um, ministering with to the men of the church and taking the the devoted men of faith in your church and moving them to another level. You sort of assume they're going to do that on their own, and you're so grateful to have men of faith in your church that you're just kind of letting them coast. And I, if I had to go back, I would try to turbocharge about 10. I can think of the names of them. I'm not going to say them, but I can think of the names of about 10 guys that were in our church years ago when uh-huh. I first got here, We're just back up to the early days at Northside. And I would have loved to have discipled them better and turbocharged them spiritually through uh, just accountability in one another's and good discipleship. Good discipleship. All that stuff, yeah. Okay, so discipleship is kind of what we're talking Instead about. Instead of just letting them spin their yeah, own yeah, little yeah. yarns and do their yeah. thing and see them grow. Yeah, you're talking about they're like, not growing like, yeah. like they're being farmed. Yeah, they're some growing. of the guys that were on the board and some of the guys that were elders and deacons and some of them even had teaching gifts and stuff like that. So it's not like they weren't walking with the Lord. Well, and, you know, some of them were just part of our church family. Yeah, yeah they were young, just, young men that were part yeah, of our church family. And yeah. They, you know, they're great guys, but they, I think I could have done more to mm-hmm. help that. And I could yeah. have s- tried to bring them into a situation where they were much more evangelistic. Our church has struggled sure. to be evangelistic for years. And I think as a pastor, I could have improved that. Why is it, let me just ask the obvious question. Why is it so critical for even those guys that you're talking about, whether they were board guys or even just showing up at the church regularly to be so well equipped in that area of evangelism? Why have you, why would you have zeroed in on that particular thing more? Well, it's, it's the life of the church right. is, is when, when you see people leading others to Jesus, when you see people even making the effort to do that, it brings another level of life to the church. Exactly. And another, yep. it brings hope in, and it's actually, you're obeying, you're being obedient to the great commission and the great commandment. And when you're obedient to that, God can bless and honor at different levels, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's a a real significant deal. And I think I should have been modeling that better. I think I should have been doing more one-on-one discipleship and teaching guys how to witness to a waitress or witness to the the guy that comes up here to spray for bugs at our church or whatever. Yeah, those are some great great practical suggestions. We're talking about going to restaurants together, going to coffee shops together. Sure, or just, hey, will you meet me at the church? The pest control guy's coming. I'm going to show you what he does. In case I can't be here, you'll be the next guy to oversee this. And Mm. and when he's in the building, we're going to talk to him about Jesus. So what has, in some of your history, now that you're a little further down the road and you have done all of that, um, tell tell our pastors who listen to us regularly what has worked well for you and what has not worked well for you in those two areas when it comes to practically here's you know here's what we do when I when I'm with a guy at a restaurant or a coffee shop or a witnessing situation yeah and you know some of that but I, I oh, yeah. loved I love making sure the waitress is very cared for sure. I think I think a waitress I think of a waitress as a servant right. And somebody that's serving me should be honored. Yep. So even if they're a bad waitress, mm-hmm. in fact, I have that weird rule in my life that the worse the – I probably shouldn't say this out loud. Go ahead and say it. The worse the service, the higher the tip. There you go. Um, yeah, that's just weird. But that's what grace is. That's grace. Grace, grace is all about – That's exactly right. You didn't right. earn this. You don't deserve this. But here you go. So, so I love to tip a waitress um, at, at a grace level. 
And especially if you're going to frequent that restaurant, you become the grace giver to her. Right. And, and you're just thankful for her serving your table yep. and serving with kindness. And, of course, they become very kind when you're the big dipper. But exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's challenging. But at the same time, you really can figure out how to minister into that. Mm. And, and as you work to minister into that, um, you, you find ways to connect with her. What's going on? I love to ask before we pray for our meal, how can we pray for you? Right. Yeah, and, we're going to pray over our food. And, and we learn yeah. they have a child that's seven years old that's going to something at school or whatever, and you're praying for their child now. Yep, exactly. So now we know their child's name. And pretty soon you just build this relational thing. And um, I think you teach guys how to do that all the time when you're out with them. Exactly. You know? and, and every – literally when you take your buddy from the church up to Lowe's with you to get all the supplies for the work day – you know, you meet the guy in Lowe's that doesn't ever know what, what anything really is, but he yeah. pretends like he does. <laughs> but you can have a conversation with him. He about, always managed to find that guy. Yeah, that's one of my favorite guys. So <laughs> but we, we, we can always minister to that guy, you know, because we're standing in, in the store where he works, and you can find a way to encourage him. Exactly. Um, and if you do that with another guy from your church alongside you, you're just modeling that. Yeah, and you're, an, you're setting an example. I do it a lot now, and I wish I'd have done it a lot. I do it all the time. I try to do it all the time now, but I'd I'd love to have been doing it a lot more, way more, recently. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially for those guys who were in those leadership positions or right. looking to be in those leadership positions. Yeah, right. I think that's really big. Uh, okay, number two is get more people to share their testimony. I knew this one was going to make it in the list somewhere. We just came out of testimonies on the lawn over the weekend. Our big, yep. you know, once a month, once a month worship and testimony mm-hmm. blowout event. So. Get more people to share their testimonies in services regularly. So we're talking about like our Sunday morning worship services and always letting others help to share and teach. And we've definitely seen the power of testimonies here at Northside. But what is it that keeps a lot of pastors from, and I know the answer to this, so it's almost rhetorical for me, from implementing this into their worship services? So, uh, what kept me from doing yep. it for years yep is I have several fears. One, I'm, I fear that the person giving their testimony, being untrained, is going to say something theologically really wrong, yeah. like stupid. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is always a possibility. I mean, even unbiblical. Yeah. But or because they're weird. new in their faith, they newer in their faith, they don't know that it's unbiblical. They just explain it that way. Yeah. Um, then there's always the possibility of the person that testifies falling a week after they testified. I've had that happen several oh, times, yeah. and it kind of burned me early in my ministry here at this church. It burned me when a guy would get to testify about what God's doing. He's very excited, and the whole church kind of excited with him. And then two weeks later, he's not here. And on Facebook, you know, we have to we have to all block him from our Facebook for the stuff he's saying or, or taking pictures of. And you're like, well, that didn't go very well. Yep. What you happened know? there? Yeah, that was horrible. Exactly. Yeah, So so all of that is very... Uh, complicated in the sense of, as, as pastors, you, you're trying to balance all that. But what I've learned as an older pastor is, one, if they say something unbiblical, I can correct it right there on the spot. I can just I can just wait for them to finish and go, hey, something you said is not scriptural. I understand what is your perspective yeah, yeah. or even an experience. Yep. Um, but scripturally, that's not as cl- not like how I would want to say it. Sure. So we're going to talk about that. But I want you all to get the big picture yeah. of God doing us such a and great not, work in this it, person's and life. And you're the pastor, so not only can you correct it on the spot, but what do you have the next Sunday? You have the pulpit uh, yeah. the next Sunday. Yeah. So you well, don't really need to, the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, you so, don't really yeah. need to worry about right. anything. You right. can correct whatever 
whatever you need to. Yeah. And 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 even a person that that falls doesn't negate what God did for them. They may exactly. they may lose control of it. They may fall back into sin, but God yep. did do some great work for them. Oh, yeah. That we can highlight. So we yeah, don't it have doesn't to take, take away that as a failure. It doesn't take away from the power of what happened at that moment. But it made me feel like a failure as a pastor right. that he fell away. So now now I feel bad about promoting it. So yep. now I don't believe you should rush somebody into. You know, the minute they get saved or minute something great happens, I think you should give some time. Sure. Um, but it's it's really important for me, and it's on a previous podcast. And you can even vet the pot, the uh, you can even vet the testimony like we've done before. Oh yeah, I make I make them write it out as best I can, yeah. or at least talk it out to me several times oh, yeah. and say, hey, let's leave this out, let's put this in. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, and we shared this on a previous podcast about the power of the testimony. Um, you, you should let others speak because it brings personalities into your service that aren't you and the service isn't just built around your personality if you're a a a hyper personality extrovert um, and you got testimonies that are quiet then people see that i'm the other way around i'm an introvert so my preaching style is kind of quiet teaching style but when you get a, a person uh We've used Victor before at our church and Ryan and other guys. They're very loud and hyper, and it brings another personality in. It lets our church experience diversity right. in the body of Christ. So very helpful to do that. Um, very, very helpful. And and there's multiple ways to do it. You can let them do short testimonies. Um, you can let them do, um, like, like I'm, I'm going to give you seven minutes. You know, I want you to boil this down to seven minutes, and then I'm going to preach for the next, you know, 30 um, so I still got a 30-minute message time I can mm-hmm. do. It shortens my message, but that's fine. And give yourself a little bit of flexibility there sure. because you, you may always have that guy that you give seven minutes to and he goes for 15. So. Or 35, yeah. yeah. So and, and then again, you may need to close, close the service at the end and say that was the that, Lord's calling hey, on that. Yep, so we're that's good. the whole service for today. But, but, but again, not trying to overdo all that. And then you can have people just read their Bible, their favorite Bible verse in the service. So multiple people are speaking a testimony of the Word of God into your service. That's not you. Uh, we sometimes we do a scripture reading in our service. Sometimes we don't. Um, at the top end of our service, where we read a scripture together, or I read a scripture to the congregation. Sometimes I let the congregation tell me what the scripture. I say, "Hey, everybody, tell me your favorite verse. Tell me a verse that rang out to you this week." And all over the room, we just have people calling out verses to each other. Yep. Um, and it's just multiple people speaking into the service, and it's very meaningful. When that takes off, it takes a little while for people to get used to it. Mm-hmm. But when it takes off, it's really powerful. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, we have – then you can just say, hey, we're going to let you have a longer testimony. Would you do 20 minutes, and I'm going to finish with a 10-minute devotion or a 20-minute devotion behind you or a devotional thought based on your testimony. And then some people, you may just say, hey, I want your testimony to be the whole service. you got 35 minutes, and we're going right. to do extra music or yep. something behind it as an altar call. But you take a seasoned person who gives their testimony well – and anybody that I let do that, I want them to weave scripture in. I'm going to make sure their testimony has scripture here, there, placed strategically through it. So we'll right. talk through that just to make sure you're actually bringing the word into our pulpit time as well. But you're giving your testimony. Exactly. So. And between between all of the testimony stuff that we've implemented into our worship services here at Northside, where you serve as lead pastor, and our once-a-month testimony on the lawn event, um, we've had so much experience with that. So if any pastors who are listening to this have any questions on how to go about doing that stuff mm-hmm. and just want to pick your brain on it, we definitely would definitely be happy to sit down and have a conversation with you. Yeah, we're it. in a good learning curve of that ourselves. Yeah, so exactly. We've got, some, exactly. we've got some tracks ahead of you, but we're working on it. We can implement some strategies and all that kind of stuff and make some suggestions and talk it out with you. So 
All right. And then lastly, number three, you say you would have developed your elders' passion for the gospel and their passion for discipleship a little bit more. Now, you would think, you know, when I read this, really when I read all of them, but especially this one right here, you'd think that this would be like pastoring 101, that this would have been somewhere in the fundamentals or the basics. It goes back to the first thing we talked about, though. If they're elders or you've appointed them as elders. No, but I mean like, I mean like, this would have gone back to like Bible college, right? Did, would this showed up in Bible college somewhere? Or would this have been like, like, no. man, I should have thought about this or known this, or did I just not like? No, but it, but it's it, it's you know forest for the trees kind of moment, or uh, you okay. can't see the forest for the trees, um, or or it's I'm overwhelmed with so much to do, and my elders are men of faith, right? And they're strong in their faith. In other words, when I need them to teach, they can teach. When I need them to lead prayer, they can pray. When I need them to lead a prayer service, they sure. can do a prayer service because our children's pastor is not here, and I'm going to go upstairs and do that. Yep. So they're strong. So you don't think about actually working hard with them about their discipleship models themselves. And sometimes maybe— And I'm actually saying the elders that I want alongside me now, I want them discipling men that are discipling men, not sure. just hanging out sure. with guys and saying, hey, I— you know, I talked to this guy this week, and he's okay. Yeah. And that's what I used to sort of check off as my elders doing yeah. outreach or discipleship or ministry. I, I was always wanting to make sure my, my elders are always ministering to somebody in our church. Usually I'm pointing them at somebody, hey, this guy needs some attention. Right. Can you go by his work and check on him? Can you have lunch with him or whatever? Um, and, and so doing ministry for them, I was counting as really discipleship, mm-hmm. but I've learned there's a, there's, that's not exactly discipleship because discipleship is making disciples that make disciples. Exactly. And, and a lot of elders never reproduce themselves multiple times like we're supposed to. So, so seeking out the, looking now back at it, I want to help elders be disciple makers that make disciples. They, they need to be intentional in that, not accidental or it just happened but intentional and i would seek to if i had it to do over again i'd seek to monitor guide and lean into that maybe as hard as anything else i was doing i would put it on a priority chart in my office um i'm pretty good about taping notes to my office computer screen or the back of the doors in my office i have two different doors and i'll tape a note there so when when the doors close i'm looking at that note going that's a very important reminder to me i need that in my head and I, i i would probably back in the day should have taped a note back there that said make sure the elders are disciple making disciples i think a lot of pastors probably fall into the trap of assuming that their elders either are doing that or are doing some form of that and maybe that's part of the reason that they just don't go after it and i think it's easy to live in the denial of that i think denial denial that that's really happening And, and we all we all know what they say about you know, when you assume something, absolutely, so absolutely. do not, do yeah. not break ass- that word down carefully. Do not assume yeah. that something like that is happening just because you believe it should be happening or because you, you, even, even well, and don't it, just it's, make it's in the simple conversation with your elders yeah. in your elders meeting yeah, exactly. before you begin an elders meeting, you go around and go, Hey, can I just check on you guys? You know, Jim, who are you discipling or who are you spending quality time with yep. and how are they doing spiritually? That makes them have to give an and answer. Are they dis- and, and eventually you're going to say, who's that guy discipling like you're discipling him? Yep. And if there's nobody, you can go, so you're not discipling a guy, you're teaching. Exactly. Teaching is different than yep. discipling. Uh, you're not training him to do what you do. You're not trying to get him to invest in somebody. In somebody else. You're just tr- trying to get him stronger in his faith. Yeah, there's supposed to be a duplication process. But happening. how can we get that guy you're training 
to be interested in discipling Somebody them. Else. You know, do we need to bring him into other meetings? Do we need to have right. two on one? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. do I need to help you figure out how to do that? I'm just saying, I would I would ride herd on that way different and monitor that better. I'd keep much better tabs with my leaders about discipleship efforts and their practices, sure. so that I knew we were making disciples who were making disciples. Okay. And I would do the training myself with our elders. If I would say, if, oh, I, yeah. if I see I, I got a group of elders that really have no idea, or oh, yeah. or they're just going, man, I'm not into that. I oh, got to yeah. go. Wait, 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 wait. Not into that. Really? Exactly. That's like a command. Yeah, that, and that's a problem. It's not. It's not just any command. Right. Anyway. And, and it's the big command. You've been discipling for a really long time. You're very passionate about it. You've discipled guys of all ages. So one question I want to ask that I think is important, especially for pastors who have, um, I, I think this is going to come into play, especially for pastors who have deacons that deacons or elders that realize the importance of this, but they're older men, the, the elder is. So if he's a lot older and he's like, okay, so I need to do this discipleship thing, but he's hesitant about it or something like this. One of the things I think he's going to be wondering is what are some of the identifying marks of a younger man who is in need of discipleship. So let's say you have an elder who wants to, but he doesn't know even know where to start or what to look for. How do you help him with that scenario? Well, and as a shepherd at the church, I would just go find that guy. I would say, hey, here's a 26-year-old guy that I've been working with. And, 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 and your elder is older than... Uh, 70, I don't 70, care. Yeah, yeah, it's even better. Okay. But I'd say this is a 26-year-old guy. I'd take them both to lunch and say, Bill, meet Tom. I mean, he's old enough to be—this elder is old enough to be that guy's grandfather. Which makes him a great mentor, by the way. Awesome. And say, Tom is new in his faith, and he's trying to learn some stuff. Right. Bill, you uh, really have a handle on some of your journey and your faith. You have a great devotional life. The generations are going to be hard for him to understand oh, yeah. devotionally how you do it, yep. but you can give him the principles and the passion you have and transfer yeah, that. Yeah, you, you, re- you read your devotion every day from um, you know a Schofield, pa- a Schofield from, from King a, from James a, from Bible. a pamphlet and, and Schofield King James Bible. Yeah, and you're you're getting your devotion every day from a podcast. You got to exactly tell right. him what a podcast is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but but the two of you can get together exactly. on the need for that yep. and the purpose of that and the accountability to it. Sure, and then. How can I get the younger man in that setting to begin to model it and go get a friend of his that's a teenager at our high school, at our school, sure. or at our church rather? Can I can he go get a guy from our church that's younger and say, hey, what this guy showed me, I'm going to show you now, exactly. and I want to see you grow in your faith too, because I'm building relationships with people around me. Or he may just go get a peer from his sure. workplace or from you know if he goes to geeks and gamers or whatever yeah. get a peer from that and go man which, somebody's which, showing me this which I by the way geeks and gamers is a local thing here in mobile nobody else is going to understand I think that it's reference. bigger than that but i don't know i think it's only local. it's a gaming it's local here i think it's only local here who knows it's a gaming silent room. partner mike is shrugging his shoulders <laughs> i don't know what i'm talking about yeah. i do know that discipleship needs to be duplicated and modeled absolutely and you got to model it yourself and then you got to make sure you're reduplicating it the people that you're discipling yep. are discipling others gradually along the way Yep. And sometimes those I, one-on-ones I, can become two-on-ones, like you mentioned earlier, which I think is great because some of those guys will go get their peer friends yeah. and say, hey, let's both let's both me and you meet with this older guy. I always now. picture it as a guy going up the side of a mountain, seeking to get closer to God, and you cross these big streams with all these rocks in it and all these slippery rocks and all these 
uh, pitfalls and you got to climb this side here and you're going to go up this cliff face and you got to go around through this jungle and it's you looking at a guy three steps behind you going, hey, I stepped on that rock and that rock. I grabbed this branch, mm-hmm. swung myself over here. You yep. do the same and we'll get here together. We'll, we'll and then together. you're telling this guy right after you cross here, look over your shoulder to the guy that you're helping exactly. and show him how we got here. Exactly. And we're all just going the same direction. All we're all the following same him. So that's my heart is, is and, and you know, I have a lot of things that I would do different, but those three really, if a younger pastor will start putting those in, implementing those into his ministry early, mm. he'll see better fruit, I think. Better fruit, better results. Excellent. Well, all right, guys, that's going to do it for us today on this episode, and we'll be sure to drop the um, links to the Power of the Testimony episode into the show notes for you. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We hope you found all the content and dialogue helpful and inspiring. I'm Josh, that's Stan, silent partner Mike. We will catch you next time. Signing off. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614 Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcast. Thanks for listening.